to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I am so excited to be joined by Iva Nusser. She is a mentor, speaker, and the author of an incredible book called From Rifle to Rifles to Roses, Memories and Miracles. And having had the honor of getting to know Iva personally over the last several months, I'll add to that list of mentor, speaker, and author that she's also a mystic bringing forth a message of love, unity, and transformation, and just this incredible light on this planet that we are all so blessed to have. So welcome, Iva. It's such a blessing to connect with you here. Thank you, Kara. And we are all reflections of each other. So light begets light. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. So let's just begin with your childhood. As you talk about in From Rifles to Roses, you grew up in wartime Beirut. And in the book, you artfully describe describe the traumatic events you experienced living with ongoing violence spending time in bomb shelters, and so on. But in those experiences, there were weaved some remarkably mystical happenings. So can you just share a little bit about your early years? Yes, of course. And you just hit on uh, something very meaningful to me, Kara, as you well know, um, as you've read uh, through my book. um, At some point in my growth in my on my journey uh, I deliberately chose how I introduce myself always in truth but we have so many different aspects to ourselves. we have so many different stories that make us who we are and how you begin an introduction and how you begin a story has its own impact all very meaningful So having said this, my inclination immediately is to introduce myself as a child of imagination and a child of remembered enlightenment, a child of, uh, you know, cradled by the angels and universal forces growing up in a war. Right. And then not to discount within what I'm saying, uh, that there are memories and there were traumas and there were some horrendous uh, experiences that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. So my uh, childhood, yes, I uh, grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, um, at a time when at a very, still very, very tender young age, Uh, the civil war, which then became a bigger platform of violence that was more global, uh, ensued. Mm. So I I did grow up in kind of the cradle of that as well. Mm. So I'm not sure exactly uh, how far you want me to go into that, maybe. um, Yeah, I mean... This is, you have so many incredible stories in your book. And even as you're describing, you know, how you choose to look back 
on your life is so inspiring um, in terms of, like you say, we all have all these as, uh, aspects or facets to our life and how we want to view ourselves and what we want to focus on in terms of our history. Um, and it's so inspiring, this remarkable spiritual maturity that is there where it's like, yes, this was the backdrop upon which I I grew up in these tender years. I mean, this was very formative years. Um, and you so beautifully talk about some of the mystical things that even with this backdrop of, of this trauma that was going on, um, you were deep in source, you know, um, and so I don't, I don't know if there are one or two things that you want to pull from that, that, that speak to you now. The, um, for many years, uh, prior to writing my book, um, I had the nudge from friends and clients and through source to write my book. And I had at the time so much resistance. I did not want to write about the war. I did not want to be one more voice advocating um, uh, something that dramatic that has such a deep uh, imprint and consequence, knowing that I had already uh, begun and actually well immersed on my uh, journey of being kind of the the, the wizard, you mm-hmm. know, bringing bringing uh, an entirely different paradigm into view. And then I had uh, a very special experience in southern France um, on a pilgrimage years, uh, you know, into into this journey. Point being. On that one of those walks, I received an undeniable uh, invitation and confirmation that kind of translated into a directive that now is the time Mm -hmm. to write the book. By then, I had made the revelation that I opened up our conversation with, which is how to begin and how to introduce and how to tell and recall those Mm -hmm. memories. It's why um, with deliberate uh, decision and channeled inspiration, I began telling the story of Mowgli and the candy maker Mm -hmm. in my book. That memory of my childhood and how I connected with Mowgli out of the Jungle Jungle Book, Book. Uh yes, um, uh, defined and set the tone for the rest of my memories and my stories. Then came, started coming these memories that you're talking about. And then I very quickly remembered my experience when we had to rush down um, under duress one day to the shelter of our building, basically the basement of the building in Beirut because of... um, rockets falling and gunfire. I mean, it was one of the more violent episodes of the war. And I described my experience 
you know, we, we became habituated, unfortunately, to knowing what to grab last minute that you deem important, uh, not even valuable, mm. uh, like passports and food and water, which actually food and water was already stored mm-hmm. in the shelter, right. you know, in anticipation. The neighbors always collaborated to make sure that that pantry was always stocked um, if the moment came that we needed those resources. Anyway, so we scurried down to the uh, shelter and that's where I had my experience with the candle flame. Yes. That's that's the other, um, one of the other stories I share in my book. It was a moment when uh, the sounds of war and the sounds of my heart beating in response to the sounds of war, you know, like just panic within panic, uh, got harmonized in a way that allowed that sound to become my metronome for something that created a different symphony and led me into my first transcendental memory of an experience I had in the shelter with a candle flame. And the candle flame separated from its wick and did this dance with me. And we journeyed together um, to a place that gave me a memory and a tangible experience of a different time and space and brought back to me the memory of innocence and purity in the midst of that chaos. And that, to this day, remains one of my most profound memories. And I'm happy to go into more detail uh, on that if you would like me to, Uh, but I also... Don't want to get too carried away. <laughs> well, account, you know, recounting that moment. Right. Uh, I mean, just what you've described so far. How about how old are you at this time? You you know, you're asking a tricky question, yeah. right? About age. True. I know that you don't celebrate birthdays anymore. Well, and, but wow. See, you're giving me so many temptations, temptations to like say it all at once. Um, the 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 unattachment to age is actually ironically and symbolically very much connected to that moment in the oh. in the shelter that I'm talking about because it was in that moment when the seeds of uh, non-attachment to just a linear you know almost man-made uh, directive to what happens to you at a certain age, of course, depending what culture you are, what gender, all of that, but the prescription of age uh, can be very, very limiting to some more phenomenal experiences. Mm -hmm. I honor celebration of each other. I honor identity, passage of time. I look forward to my later years, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the non-attachment to age very much stemmed now, like I'm seeing it even more clearly, Kara, as we're, talking mm-hmm. how uh, that moment in the shelter when I was oh my goodness um, I honestly like I don't remember the exact age but I was um, barely in elementary school 
okay. if that puts it in context, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. So so just very young, yeah. very young. And like you said, still very impressionable mm-hmm. um, in, in very meaningful and profound ways. So, Well, and the way that you talk about that coming back, because when you were talking, when you were framing up how the writing of the book commenced, or at least the confirmation of the writing uh, was in that pilgrimage in southern France, you said that the memory came back. So was this something that you forgot over time and then it, it returned back to you? Or has that been something that has sort of kept something aflame within you over The memory time? of writing a book? The memory of the dancing flame. Of the, oh, the, oh, the dancing flame. Mm-hmm. Um. For many years uh, after that experience with the with the candle flame, um, it was a very uh, pronounced point of reference for me. Um, it it helped me not only sustain the more gruesome days of the war. Uh, it also guided me to stay open to everything else, you know, um, in tapping more into my gifts and abilities and everything else that ensued. So for a long time, it was with me. And then that whole experience and what it was meant to give me and how it sustained me and opened me up and sustained that opening, then became embodied through other rites of passage over the years and other, as you well know from reading the book, mystical and most phenomenal experiences. So then those other graduated experiences became the more prominent point of reference. Okay. So to answer your question, when when I uh, got the confirmation and knew it was time to write my book, uh, the candle flame was not first and foremost on my mind. I had become it. So then when I, and it brings me to to tears, like there's a resonance mm. with even saying it this way. So thank yeah. you for asking the question. Um, so when I started writing the book, the memories and the sequence of the stories all were delivered and came to me. And it's like I had my aha moments with them all over again. So it was a very original experience. And like I have homecoming. chills like all I over have my chills. body right now. Me too. Yeah. That, that, yes. So, so there, was no, there was no attachment to writing a book or telling my story. And there was no agenda. Mm-hmm. And I had resisted the obvious outline mm-hmm. for years. So it was a very pure and original moment. It's amazing. And and this one of the beautiful things, I, I love that you're talking about how there, there really was no, no agenda. One of the gifts of this book, in fact, I would say the baseline gift or the, the foundational gift of this book for the reader is the myst- the mystical experience that are we experiences that are weaved throughout the book that of course happened to you but through the writing of this book happened for anybody who picks this book up 
and reads it with reverence and, and, and with openness because you, through your openness and through, I'm sure, lifetimes of work that you have done um, moving in this direction, um, but it has the potential to open anybody up to this mystical way of viewing life and experiencing life um, and it allows it to flow through every reader which is an incredible gift it's the only reason that I felt justified and surrendered to writing my story mm. because I at some point although for many years in the work that I do professionally, you know, with clients and delivering messages and listening to stories, a big part of my work with, was listening and seeing the value and the empowerment from every voice and every story told. And then I got myself out of the way and unintentionally, you know, sometimes we put ourselves up on a pedestal that we don't even realize exists by resisting telling our own story. So thank you for that validation and for the feedback. I don't take it for granted every time someone shares with me that by reading my book and even like flipping through and just getting something from a page or two uh, brings it full circle to me. Mm -hmm. um, that's the only reason that I intended to write the book. Now, then through writing it, of course, I have my own cathartic experiences. And, you know, I mean, and even uh, reviewing my book in preparation for our conversation today, I'm going, wow, here we go. I'm about to relive it all over again. What's next? Right. Yeah. It's incredible. So, so ultimately, if we kind of take a linear look at your life, you know, you did make it over to America and now we, we live very close to each other. So you're here in Indiana. And, um, and so you moved here um, in your teenage years, correct? I think it was in yes. your teenage years. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but the mystical experiences definitely did not stop from there. <laughs> um, they, they definitely kept going. Um, but as you grew up and you found yourself in a more stable environment, and a, quite a different environment, I'm sure, you know, coming to the Midwest of America. Um, where, where, did life, where did life take you? Because I know that you, you've had many, many different versions of life <laughs> since, since that time in Beirut. Is there anything that you want to pull from in, in that, in your post Beirut time? Interesting that the first thing that comes to mind is the value 
of truly contemplated and embodied uh, oneness in our world, especially today. And the unification of cultures and mentalities and all the wonder and chaos that we all bring to each other, no matter where we're from, including from off-planet sources. Right. Um, So the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me this is the memory of when I took the oath um, when I was becoming a citizen of the United States. And I... Uh, refer to this in my book, how I already knew uh, what a melting pot of experience and culture and religions and languages was. So it felt like uh, such a natural union and reunion to take the oath um, within borders uh, of a country that is to this day and maybe more than ever uh, literally fighting so hard to preserve the essence of the melting pot Mm. of culture and heritage and uh, so it's interesting I'm, I'm fascinated that this is what comes to me Kara because my tendency, my tendency is to almost uh, gloss over, you know, like the more, uh, this, this part of it, mm-hmm. this part being the more legalistic, you know, kind of uh, governmental, governmental. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm deeply grateful, but normally it's not the first thing mm-hmm. that I go to mm-hmm. because you asked me, um, a question about like what happened after I arrived here as a teenager, knowing that there were so many other uh, phenomenal experiences right. that were waiting. Would I have had the same or similar experiences had we not, you know, set foot in this country? Um, I don't know. I will never be presumptuous enough to say, oh, this was my destiny no matter what. It took uh, choices on a guided path in alignment with divinity and the mystical and most phenomenal experiences in this universe. It took all of it Mm -hmm. to create every other experience that came after it. So... Um, soon after we arrived, my parents, I mean, this is how things are orchestrated uh, in our in our lives. And my parents did their own share of making choices on a guided path and all of that. Uh, they, even before they were married, um, already had uh, a cross-cultural experience. My 
father uh, graduated two degrees from Vanderbilt University, and uh, my mom uh, got her master's there as well. And in those early years of their marriage, my sister, my oldest sister, was born here. Mm. So she's, she's uh, you know, um, by birth mm-hmm. uh, a citizen. And so it was a natural transition in that way. You know, we already had... You had a connection. There was a connection beyond mm-hmm. just, again, like the, this kind of connection. So being here allowed me to flourish in a way um, that would have happened otherwise, but maybe with more delays. Okay. And I, you know, like very quickly grew into a determination to find my voice and sustain it and refine it and share it and uh, so many every other experience, you know, like coming to think of it, you know, like all the magical and more miraculous experiences all came back around to confirming this liberation. Mm. So, you know, straight out of uh, high school, soon after uh, first few years in college, I just decided, you know, life is my classroom. I can always come back for another degree. And that's when things really started happening. Um, like my experience with the dolphins. You know, I and, love that story. Yeah. And I mean, so many, so many. Mm. So. Yeah. And you went to North Carolina. Is it North Carolina? Yes. Where you lived. I found this fascinating from a personal perspective. Um, there was a book that Elizabeth Gilbert wrote called The Last American Man, which I read like 10, 15 longer. I I read, I think before my son was born he was born in 2007. Okay. And I loved this book so much that I like, get, I remember giving it to my best friend. Cause I was like, I think your husband would love this book. I don't know. It was just like such an incredible story. Um, and then it turns out that you worked with this man, um, which I was like, I felt like I kind of stumbled upon that book because Elizabeth Gilbert is the author of Eat, Pray, Love. And of course, most people know that book. But this was like a um, just one that I I hadn't really heard a lot of other people. Not to that, you know, they didn't, I don't think they made a movie out of it, did they? Did they make uh, a movie? No. No. I don't think so. <laughs> but hmm. it's a fascinating, fascinating story. And then and there's a really small world around the how he built this this up and then there you are you had been called out there and it seemed like from the story that that was kind of a you heeded a call to go and participate in that movement that he was he was kind of doing his own thing yeah so so uh in the in the days that I was still living in Bloomington Indiana And at the time, I uh, had gotten into the healing arts and I was uh, doing massage therapy and other related things. And I had uh, met uh, 
Jane, who had recently moved to Bloomington from New York City. She was working uh, for GQ magazine Mm -hmm. at the time. And one day she comes to me and she said, you know, ever since I moved, uh, I'm just now getting to the last few boxes unpacking and there's this article that at the time was published, you know, in GQ magazine while, while she was still working there. And she said she kept it all these years and wasn't sure of why. So she was literally like on her way to the shredder with it. And she felt so strongly that Iva needs this article. She didn't know that at the same time that she had this inspiration, I was uh, receiving through a very, (laughs) again, very uh, um, magical experience, the message that, oh, no, you're not moving to a coastal, you know, uh, city by the ocean. You know, that fantasy is to be lived another time. You're going to the mountains of North Carolina. And I'll spare the details and kind of leave a little bit of, uh, you know, mystery mystery to, <laughs> yeah. to the pages in the book. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, so I had just had that calling and I was still adjusting to it. And I'm sure knowing myself, I was asking for more signs and prove it to me and show me more. And, you know, um, and so she comes to me with this article and it was a 15 page article uh, basically about Eustace Conway and Turtle Island Preserve in the mountains of North Carolina. And fast forward, uh, I wisely took it as a very clear sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pursued connection with Eustace and uh, ended up uh, as an intern. And I smile like, you know, to this day, city girl goes to farm, okay? <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, yes, in my bloodline, somewhere along the line, my father and his heritage and, you know, the connection with the land and some farmers and edu- like all of that, yes, was there, but believe me, not at surface. Right, right. <laughs> so it was a very brave and bold move for me to listen with such obedience. Right. <laughs> and even Eustace himself, from his own experience of attracting all the romantics out in the world to come and intern with him, you know, on the land and to watch the sunsets and gaze at the stars, he would try every trick in the book to discourage you from going, basically saying, this is hard work. Yeah living with the land and off the land and learning the ways of nature and uh, all the reverence and respect and skill and perseverance. It's not a romantic experience. Yes, you have some very special moments, but it's not all it is. Mm -hmm. And the time I remember telling him over the phone, I'm sure, like, I wish I was like this little fairy or bug sitting on his shoulder, you know, like to just watch his facial expressions on the phone, like talking to this, you know, little girl from the Middle East (laughs) who's saying, I got a calling and I'm coming, you know, to intern at Turtle Island and the Valley of Appalachian Mountains, you know, like (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so he wanted to make sure that I knew what I was getting into. And I said, Eustace, I grew up in a war. So this, in a way, Kara, also answers your question, you know, that started our conversation today, like the value of those experiences right. that I allowed to become blessings and gifts in my life to prepare me for more um, grace and resilience in life to be courageous to experience galactic-induced miraculous experiences. Part of it was in that moment that I told you, I grew up in a war. Mm -hmm. We didn't have water all the time. We didn't have electricity all the time. Yes, I also had the most amazing, rich experiences, and I had one of the best educations that this planet will avail. Like there were, it's, it wasn't just that, but it was a good part of it. Mm. So I said, "Don't worry, I come prepared." Yeah, I come prepared. So then, I moved to North Carolina, landed at Turtle Island Preserve, and that's how I met. Liz, Elizabeth Gilbert, um, I should say reunited, but, you know, <laughs> we, we met. Uh, she was in the process of writing The Last American Man at the time. Oh, wow. And, and she I, was, she had not yet written Eat, Pray, Love, right? So no, no, she that, was, came, that came, yeah. So this, this was, was early pre, in her career. Was, yeah, it was, it yeah. was, I'm pretty sure... Eat, Pray, Love was the next book the next after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So The Last American Man. And uh, I actually got to read the draft, you know, that wow. Eustace was reviewing at the time. They had met, you know, and uh, that's their own story that led them to each other. And now here I am, you know, learning how to uh, light a fire without matches or lighter and learning how to make cornbread in a cast iron skillet and milking goats and all of that. And here I'm meeting Liz and uh, one thing led to the other. I mean, that started our journey together as well. Mm. It's beautiful. I mean, I, it's been many, many years, as I mentioned, since I read that book, but I remember even noticing as I was reading it and, and it, she's taking you through his evolution because he essentially like moved into the forest and into the Appalachian Mountains, I should say, and kind of started like out of necessity building out his life. So building out like structure to be able to live off the land, but it, it, okay, now I need more stable shelter. I'm kind of, again, I'm like pulling from the archives here, so I probably mm -hmm. don't have the details totally right, but it's like, now I require a more stable uh, shelter. Now I need to clear some of this forest so that I have room for the life, you know, the, the other, you know, the animals that I might need to help me to sustain life here. And it was very much a mirror of like the evolution of man, you know, from kind of our primordial 
time of of really living off the land, almost like caveman kind of things. And then out of necessity, you know, if you want to think of it from a linear perspective, um, you know, how we kind of evolved. Um, but he really was staying true to doing things as uh, close with the land as as he could, and it's it like you say it was a very challenging time, and he was also wanting to bring people closer to the land so that they can uh, because of the richness that it gives to life, and and I remember the point being made of like you know we have these square rooms, we have these walls, like everything's perpendicular, but that's not how it is in nature. Like we need to get out of these corners and, and like soften everything. But then there was this sort of because we had modernized ourselves so much, you know, he was having to tell people like, come out of the rain, like, don't just stand there in a rainstorm, like you need shelter now, (laughs) you know, this sort of balance. Yes. And, uh, Eustace Conway and I um, very quickly became friends, not that uh, that was necessary, uh, but there was a recognition. Um, And I saw things in him immediately, very clearly, that he also was making very clear choices on a guided path in alignment with source and also in recovery of trauma in his life and also seeking refuge and sanctuary. Mm-hmm. But how many of us can raise their hand and say, me too, in my own way? Mm-hmm. He upheld highest standards that could only lead him to the choices he made. He finished getting his degrees at ASU, Appalachian State University, while living in a teepee. Wow. Off of living, you know, off of nature and learning. And he has, oh my goodness, Eustace is the one that has stories upon stories, you know, um, breaking a world record unintentionally by riding a horse from the East Coast to the West Coast in 103 days and then having experiences in the middle of the ocean with a shark, you know, off wow. of, yeah. I mean, he, so he's, he's lived mm-hmm. a very full life uh, that, uh, yes, was in a way survival based, but he had a vision and this vision that he had um, that also connected him with elders and from different indigenous cultures and was uh, um, honored, you know, as a gatekeeper uh, in many ways with uh, stories and wisdom that was passed on to him. So I wouldn't be surprised if that vision that started for him, you know, like that was told in the last American man, uh, that we're not just beginning to see the need and the benefit of the foundation that he's created, regardless of what his personal story was along the way. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. how many times do we hear doctor heal thyself? Mm -hmm. 
right? So he's a visionary. Yeah. And what is happening in our societies and to this earth right now, this is the more kind of intense, a little bit more of the, uh, the shadow story of earth. Um, we might very quickly need to learn a lot of the skills that he's demonstrated and modeled and set the stage for. Right. Because we might not always have all the resources we have right now. We might not, you know, there are some mm. serious changes that are happening. But anyway, so uh, one thing I'll add to this, um, my uh, experience at Turtle Island and so much more that happened over those few years that I was then, you know, living in Boone, North Carolina, and um, I made... Uh, I, I had some very, very uh, profound experiences and very miraculous moments uh, living on that land and associated, you know, with, with Eustace and then the other experiences I have, was having simultaneously. But it got to a point where I realized that that wasn't my forever home. Mm -hmm. At that time, I went through the crossroads of, in a way, beginning to leave martyrdom behind and adopting in a very clear and pronounced way that to this day I am still refining how evolution and enlightenment and uh, growth is not dependent on uh, hardness and harshness and, you know, that we can get to that end, so to speak, through a more celebratory path. Mm. through choosing ease and grace through and that you know opens up a whole other conversation of the paradigm shift which goes to the title of my book from rifles to roses and you know mm, right so so yeah so he and I paralleled mm -hmm. uh, a lot you know along the way and thanks to Liz Gilbert and my friend Jane and GQ magazine and yeah forces in the universe that brought it all together. It's amazing, isn't it? Right. Well, and just the it's fact easy. that you listened. I mean, mm. it's incredible, you know, because again, like you represent something within all of us as well. I mean, in, as well as having your own remarkable story, there is something within you that is present also in everybody else. Um, you seem to have more of a willingness to take that step <laughs> that says, oh, wow, I'm really being directed. I thought I was going to live by the water. Uh, I knew I was going somewhere, but it turns out like I'm going to the mountains. Um, but you have that ability to surrender, which is a scary thing for a lot of people um, because, you know, we tend to, I mean, many modern people are living in their left hemisphere of their brain or however we want to look at it, that rational mind um, and that difficulty with surrender, but it opens up all of these possibilities. And again, this is the amazing thing with your book, Rifles From Rifles to Roses, is this, um, this continuous unfoldment of um, connection with source that is exceptionally mysterious and extraordinary. But again, 
available, if we keep in an acceptance, if we stay in a yes um, and in a surrender and a trust. Um, so it's really, it's very powerful in that way and, and very, again, inspirational because we can apply that to that which can continue to present for us and say like, okay, let me stay open here even if it doesn't really feel like what I think I want, you know? And, and you know, um, some of it, in some ways, uh, came naturally, but I say naturally, uh, or inherited, mm-hmm. or, you know, in my upbringing, and my genetics, right? Like some of it, I had a predisposition. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, I have a calling. So some of it was natural to surrender, or mm-hmm. to know how to listen. But a lot of it took um, nudges from life Mm -hmm. and uh, other, you know, um, guardianship that would not allow me to get off track. However, it is always possible because the will of the human the human will, when it's not in alignment with our divine will, we, we can be very stubborn mm-hmm. and resistant. And we justify, you know, that life is life and ultimately there's no right or wrong. And for those who believe in, you know, reincarnation or understand, you know, that kind of continuum, will say, I'll keep trying and I'll get it better the next time around. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so point being, thank you for the recognition. Um, and also, uh, it I, I needed help mm-hmm. and I got very strong nudges. Uh, and that's the, the mind-blowing miracles that I experienced because miracles come in different varieties, right? Mm-hmm. Like... I, I say, you know, just a seed. If you if you slow down enough to just contemplate a seed, let's say of a carrot, mm-hmm. we, we take it for granted, you know, we go either grow it or go to the grocery store and get an orange carrot, sometimes red, sometimes, you purple. know, purple. Um, but then if you, you know, if you s- notice, like pause, like, wow. This one seed made a carrot. Another seed will make celery. Another seed, you know, or an oak. Yeah. Acorn will make an oak tree, right? Like when, when, so that's one variety of miracles. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, on, a, on, as you move up the spectrum, you know, like to more dramatic, intense, mind blowing um, miracles and things that just, whether you're ready or not, so to speak, it will alter your reality to surrender and listen. One more moment, invitation to decide, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those like 
earth-shattering, mind-altering experiences. A few of those came along the way that helped me. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. To reinforce, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to reinforce. So yeah. anyway. Well, yeah. I love how you bring up the human will piece of it because <clears throat> I, I certainly have seen in my life that you can get to a certain level, let's say, I don't like really that term, but, you know, you get to a certain place within yourself where you do trust and you're like, I just go with it and I can feel within me whether something is a yes or a no. And it can, I mean, I've had a conversation with a friend recently where she was like, I just feel like there's no choice anymore. And, you know, it's just, you just keep going with God. And, and I was like, I appreciate that. And I understand that on a certain level, it feels like that. And there is always choice. So honor the fact that you actually are making choices continuously to stay in that alignment to where you and you're still trusting that. But there is always a choice. There is always a choice that you could say no and you could come out of alignment like that's a continuous part of this experience is continuing to make the choice. And um, and so there's beauty in the, again, like that recognition. And I love the humility. I appreciate the humility. And it's also this acknowledgement of like, also, you continued to say yes and to refine and to, you know, get deeper into that alignment and recognize like, oh, okay, here it comes again. This is that same thing. So I, I didn't listen the first time. Now I need that second remind. Okay, I'm starting to kind of listen. But, you know, it's, it is that like, and that's also where that humanness comes in, that spark that this is within all of us. It's accessible to all of us. But that importance of, um, of remembering that choice, you know, that choice piece of it, that it's, it's this continuous foundation that we're building as we go. You Absolutely. Know. And really, uh, in a way, uh, that's a pretty good summary of my book. Mm. Because uh, choice is perspective. You know, the perspective we have on life Um perceptions, how we perceive things, you know, like let's say uh, someone is still, you know, rightfully no judgment, but someone is still jaded by a certain experience and hasn't dealt with the release of that trauma or has not really uh, gone into forgiveness, all of these things that are virtues of pretty much every spiritual path of every religion or way of life. Mm -hmm. But so that jaded view sets the tone for a series of choices and how something is perceived. And so you create your own reality in that respect. Right. I'm not saying that everyone who is born into fortune or misfortune has necessarily made that choice. I'm not going to even, you know, like go into that more philosophical mm -hmm. um, 
without having a much longer conversation and saying that maybe even that is so. But at some point, with awareness, to make a choice to let go or to make a choice to open up Mm -hmm. um, is what we're talking about. And it creates the paradigm shift. So from Rifles to Roses, like even the title of my book, uh, has different layers. It's like, you know, just visualize almost like a wedding cake. Mm -hmm. Um, From Rifles to Roses was my very personal story from, you know, kind of a war maybe... Mm -hmm. Uh, written experience to peace, etc., from rifles to roses. And I tell a story in my book exactly why um, I use that title. And uh, in gratitude to my father, rest his soul, who passed away a few months ago. Um, uh, this, the cover of my book turned out uh, not deliberately being a tribute to him. So I'm just acknowledging that right now and mm-hmm. um, enjoying the blessing of his presence uh, from beyond the veil. Uh, from Rifles to Roses was my personal story. And then the next layer of it from Rifles to Roses is exactly what we're talking about. Are you going to choose this set of perspectives and perceptions? The more rifled, the more, you know, uh, the anger, the the greed, the jealousy, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like kind of that. The dramas. Uh, yeah. The dramas um, or the rosier, mm-hmm. not from a place of oblivion and denial, but from, you know, an Choice. actualized actualized memory of self and our mm-hmm. birthright and who we are, right? So from rifles to roses implies that's a good chunk of the conversation, this um, embedded dialogue Mm-hmm. invitation to dialogue in my book uh, not just demonstrating by example but inviting a conversation a dialogue mm-hmm. um, that can we how can we make these choices and those of us that are a little bit more liberated with less daunting experiences or somehow have uh, a skill like you alluded to me of maintaining that openness can we unite and let the ripples of our strength ripple to those who aren't able to make those choices yet mm-hmm. um, and and kind of move along collectively, which takes it then to the next layer of the title, which is a call to action mm-hmm. at a time when time is of the essence to collectively, you know, uh, bring enough unity to making certain choices based on pureness and alignment within ourselves, with the divine uh, presence to make a shift. So all of that goes back to choice. Mm. And, you know, if I'm... I listen really well, Kara, um, and still aiming for more um, of a finer ability with it. Mm. This is this is a moment for me again, in my own way, to reboot, 
and bring everything that I've demonstrated through truth and just telling my story to its next level. And this is where I told you before we began this conversation that you are one of my guardians and messengers in exactly this moment on this day of 11-22-21 to listen very carefully to the acknowledgement you're giving me so that I look at myself and say, okay, take a deep breath, Iva, (laughs) (laughs) and turn off the voices that are distracting you and keep going. So I'm looking forward to that next level of listening. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. I had more questions, but that so beautifully encapsulates everything that that seems like the right uh, place to wrap up for now. Um, I mean, you're so full of, of insight and you carry this presence that is very full. It's very, it's full of wisdom clearly. Um, but it's, it's full of, of source and, and the, the beauty and the, the mystery. I mean, that's kind of the word that keeps coming up here, but um, it's, you know, your presence is very, very full of, of so much. Um, so it's, it's been an honor really to have this discussion with you. You're welcome back at any point because there are lots of different ways that we could take this discussion and, and, uh, it would be a joy to peel another onion with you. (laughs) Um, but how can people, before we do uh, sign off here. How can people learn more about you and connect with you and um, find your book? Thank you. Um, it's been such an honor to be with you today. Thank you so much. And um, as it continues to be led for the benefit of all, I'm very happy to join you again anytime. Um, in in an ongoing dialogue, I look forward to it. So uh, I uh, these days uh, mainly um, until further notice uh, do uh, readings. I offer readings. And, oh, there's uh, some kind of a clicking on on your side. Okay, it stopped now. Interesting. Yeah. What was that clicking? Cara? I don't know. I don't know. But okay. it was like... I didn't do anything, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know. do anything differently. Uh, I know that the listeners aren't seeing us right now, but I... Uh, you haven't moved. I, I Yeah. But as I was saying what I'm saying, I felt something shifting anyway. Oh, okay. Um, so a precursor for our next conversation. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Let me answer your question directly. I can be found um, with more details about what I offer on my website, uh, ivanasser.com. That's I-V-A-N-A-S-R.com. And uh, my book is From Rifles to Roses, and uh, it can be ordered uh, online. uh, And also I can be reached directly. I have a lot of copies in boxes that are waiting to be in all the right hands. So 
Okay. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Well, I will be sure to put your website in, uh, in the show notes so that that can be easily accessible for listeners. So, well, what a blessing. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. All right. Whew. Well, thank you so much, Iva. Um, what a beautiful discussion. I hope that everybody here enjoyed it. Um, so, so many layers to what she has to say. Um, so, you know, I hope you could feel into that. I really encourage you to get her book, From Rifles to Roses. Um, again, so many layers within this book, and it's simply fascinating um, anyway to to hear all of or to read her her very rich experiences um, and messages and and takeaways from all of that. So um, and again, her website is ivanasur.com. And um, yeah, so be sure to check her out. And thank you so much for listening. I hope, again, that you've enjoyed this. And I appreciate you subscribing um, and rating, reviewing, all of that good stuff. And do share this episode as well. Um, so many people can benefit from hearing her message and the transmission um, that happens when, when she's communicating. So... Thank you again, and I wish you many blessings, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.